It's episode 1010-1010. We're finally in the double digits. And it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Paris, France, once again, our very own Tyler Huckabee. Bonjour, everybody. And from Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. I didn't say this on the last episode, but Derek is out all week this week because he and his lovely wife are celebrating their anniversary with a week-long trip to the mountains. So uh, very happy for them. Very happy for them having a good time. He'll be back next week. So can, can I can uh, I run a question by you guys real fast? Can I can yeah, I do that? Please do. This is just this is an experience that I had, and I'll and I'll keep this short. I promise. But I, I'm just not quite sure where to put this. It was so okay. so I was taking the dog for a walk the other day, and I took I took him down to this little park. And this park often has some kind of interesting characters in it. It's where I've met, made most of my we'll call what we'll call for lack of a better word friends here in France. Even though I'm like. I'm not sure if you like me or hoping that I'll ask you to move in with me or that or you're like an eccentric billionaire like just kind of oddballs like strange like yeah. strange but you know park people you know park people we have them in the US no too. I don't know park people so you're in Paris <laughs> France but yeah we these, don't are, do these park are Parisian park people well I'm, well I'm gonna tell you about one and this will give you a little bit of a window into what I mean by park by, by a park person so this this there's, there's a gentleman there he came up to me and he started talking to me in French and, and I you know I told him in French that my French isn't very good and so he started speaking English to me and his English his English was, was pretty good and he asked me he, he said excuse me what galaxy are you from and in my mind I thought he was maybe had the wrong word like galaxy you know he thought galaxy meant something different in English yeah. and I was like he probably means like and so I was like I'm, I'm from the US from the United States he's like no 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 what galaxy are you from and I was like the Tennessee and I was like no he's like no <laughs> galaxy and I was like and he's like uh I'm I'm from this one, and he said, "Oh, good, me too." And then he tells me that he is on the run from robots from a different dimension, just like in Terminator, is what he said. Just like in Terminator, literally the same thing is what he said from Terminator. And he pointed at the dog. The dog knows the dog that like the dog can tell the difference. And he and then he said, "And I need you to know. I first I need to know if you're real." He said, "Can I?" touch you and smell you oh. and uh and i said how about i just shake your hand so he said okay so he shook my hand and that seemed to okay, is he talking english or have you he, this is all in english good. so okay what he's saying doesn't make a lot of sense but he's the one who speaks two languages so what do i know he wanted to he wanted to <laughs> smell you he he so so you're telling me this person seems to be losing grips with you know kind of reality and he wanted to smell you yeah. my question is this what was President Biden doing in a Parisian park that <laughs> <laughs> What was he doing there? There was a summit. We're equal opportunity on this podcast. <laughs> climate, climate summit. We are equal opportunity. No, no, it, it, was, it was not. When a joke tees itself up, you just take this it. Was all, this was all building up to his big question, which was he was under the impression that I either had or that I either had met his son or he had gotten a message. He'd either seen me or had gotten a message that I'd interacted with his son. And I said, I, it's possible. I, I, I don't know. And, uh, and he said, well, just tell me, is my son doing okay? And I was Aww. like, mm, oh, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. You know, I don't know. He's like, please, please. Oh, you should have oh. said son yes. Doing okay. So I, Jamie, thank you. That's what I wanted to know. Cause I don't know. What yes. You 100% but I, just but start obviously, going. Right. 
I did, I'm just, this isn't cost me anything. I said, I told him, <laughs> I said, he's doing wonderfully is what I said. And he was Go. so happy to hear that. And then he prayed for me in English and he sent me on my way. And I haven't seen him since. Uh, that, that was the last, the first and only time that I've seen that guy. And that was my question, Jamie, which you answered, which was very good. I wasn't sure what the right response is in a situation like this, but I couldn't, you know, he was not taking, I don't know your son for, for that, that was not the answer that was going to work and get me out of there. But it felt like it felt like the right thing to do. Right. There's yeah. only one right answer here. The only right answer is you look at this man who's clearly maybe mentally unstable yeah. and you say to him, <laughs> for sure. your son is fabulous. He's thriving. I love uh-huh. him. He's so kind and wonderful. Yeah. He's great. You would have been so good at this, Jamie. <laughs> His laptop kicked up a big <laughs> S storm, uh, but uh, he might seem to be doing going to okay. trial. But for yeah, right now, yeah. he's legally, okay. legally he's not okay. Yeah, <laughs> personally, he's also not okay. Thank you, Jamie. That was what I needed to hear from you, Jamie. I appreciate that. You did. We well. have a great yeah. show in store for you today. One of my favorite comedians, Kev on stage, is coming up later. He oh, and yeah. he's going to be joined by his wife, uh, Melissa Fredericks. They have a new book out called Marriage Be Hard, and we're going to talk to him about that. I can't wait. Uh, if you don't follow Kev on stage on Instagram and stuff. What's wrong with you? He makes me laugh and feel a little uncomfortable sometimes. So I think well, he's always shirtless. He's no, always, not, that's not what makes me feel uncomfortable. Like there's just some of his jokes. I'm like, Oh, can we say that? Can we say that yes. out loud? <laughs> that's comedy. You got to push the line. That, that, that is, a, that is a Absolutely. sign of, of, of I good comedy. I agree. All right. Well, we got that coming up at the end of the show. We also have a seasonal game. It's spooky season. We got a game coming up. Don't miss it. But right now, stay tuned up next. It's slices. You're listening to Alfie Templeman. The song is broken. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, this one, I just wanted to bring it because it confirms things that have been saying on this podcast for years. And the headline is this. Space colon, a boring, (laughs) dangerous bummer. That's from someone who was just there. Okay, you guys know my space takes. I don't need to rehash them. I'm going to tell you what a man named William Shatner, who spent most of his life creating mm-hmm. space adjacent content. Okay, he's dedicated his life to space content. He was up there for four minutes. I don't care about his hot take. <laughs> that's four more minutes than if most people are ever go. doing anything. Okay? In four minutes, that's your problem, not the thing's problem. I'm sorry. Did you read? Oh, well, let me let me read you exactly what he says. Okay, and you, and you because it seemed like a pretty traumatic four minutes for, for Mr. Shatner. And let me tell you something. He has spent more of his adult life looking out into pretend space than any, than probably anyone. 
I think that's a pretty safe bet. He was in like, there's like 40 seasons of Star Trek. Have you, when, when they show clips of William Shatner in early Star Trek, it's like I'm watching something from the 1800s. That's how old those clips feel. It feels like, even when I was a kid, I was like, wow, those clips of old Star Trek with William Shatner are super, super old. Anyway, the yeah. man has spent a lot of time thinking about space. So he's writing a book. It's called uh, Boldly Go, Reflections on a Life of All in Wonder. And in it, he discusses being a passenger on the Jeff Bezos spacecraft, which, Cameron, to your point, it's right. not up. It's not like they're spending a month up there. Okay? The entire flight you're, you're up. from launch to landing is there 11 long minutes long. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, but but he said he said he did the whole thing. They they got up there. People were unstrapping, yeah. doing the little flips, looking out the window, just like you see, just like what you would do. It, it, but I want to read you just a few passages from this book, and and I'm not. Even, I'm going to present them without my opinion because my opinion <laughs> is basically his. Okay, here's what he says. It's getting, guys, I'm more, I'm just just heads up. It's dark. Okay. My trip to space was supposed to be a celebration. Instead, <laughs> it felt like a funeral. Oh my gosh. I love the mystery of the universe. I love all the questions that have come to us over thousands of years of, of exploration hypothesis. But when I looked in the opposite direction, into space, there was no mystery, no majestic all to behold. All I saw was death. I saw a cold, dark, black emptiness. It was unlike any blackness you could see or feel on Earth. It was a deep, enveloping, all-encompassing. Uh, he said, everything I had thought was wrong. Everything I expected was wrong. I thought space. <laughs> wow. I thought that was, it, it, going into space would be the ultimate catharsis of that connection that I've been looking for between all these living things, that it would be the next beautiful step in understanding the harmony of the universe. It was among the strongest oh feelings of gosh. grief I have ever encountered. The contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of Earth below filled me with overwhelming okay, okay. sadness. For, for, first and he all, goes on. He was gifted a $200 million ride on this trip. Maybe he should have read the marketing materials or played the toe the company <laughs> a line a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, like, come on, don't lift to give a horse in the mouth. Yeah. You were given that trip. Number two, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, maybe you need to shut down the bar that's at the landing pad that the people are <laughs> while they're waiting to get on the rocket ship. Cause he sounds like he was a little lubricated and deep in his own thoughts before the trip even happened. That was four minutes. And he got, oh, he that? was honest about how lame and dark space is. And it's, and it affected him deeply. And he's still talking about it. And it wasn't like, I mean, he, this happened months ago and he still can't get over wow. what a bummer space is. Like he goes up there and he is just bummed out from now on. And this is a man who, like I said, his whole half of his career was pretending he's to be like, in space. I don't like because space was black and scary. I mean, it's like, what did you think it would be? I mean, Jesse, you say you don't like space because it's too big. I mean, what is it? What did he think would be happening? There'd be comets flying all over the place. It'd be like, like he's riding Space Mountain or something. I mean, it's I'm like, come saying, on, man. This confirms too much space up there. I think if I go to space, though, I do want to see something besides just darkness because I could close my eyes and see that. You know, like I can close my That's eyes true. and imagine I'm up in space. So I think maybe the expectations were a little bit more like star he thought he's going to be in star trek again that's the that's that's the thing he has spent most of his life to your point jesse wow. interacting with distant civilizations and new worlds and spaceships and warp drive and aliens if if that if that is what you think you're going to encounter which william shatner might he, he, he based on all this time up there maybe he had maybe the bar was just a little too high 
maybe real life just couldn't measure up to to the 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 many wonderful seasons, many many wonderful seasons of television that he gave us with Star Trek. I still say Jeff Bezos need to rethink the free cocktails. Yeah, and I for the crew, Mr. Member. Bezos, if you'd like to take me up to space, I think right. I can well, give a more flattering review. Of your exactly. I'll write better marketing material for your <laughs> spaceship than William Shatner. It is one of the worst Amazon reviews. <laughs> it's like if you type in space, one star. Yeah, one star from William Shatner. Yeah, top top reviewer too. You know, he's got he's, he's reviewed a lot of stuff. He's not a big fan of space. He wants his money back. What's his money back? All right, what do you have, Tyler? All right, so this is a story that comes to us not from space, but from Florida. And uh, and I know sometimes we get into these, uh, we get into these kind of like these, these stupid criminal stories, you know, like the, the crook who, who does something kind of dumb and are like, uh, who, how could he have thought he'd get away with that one? This is being pitched as one of those. I actually think this is very, very smart. And, and, I, and I, in my opinion here, no crime was committed. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. So they're, a, they're, calling him, they're calling him in this Florida man. A, a gentleman by the name of James Sinclair went into a Chase branch in Seminole, Florida. Uh, and this, this happened just uh, last week. This happened last Monday from when we're recording this. And he held a gun to the, tucked under his shirt, which he, uh, which he put, held up to the branch manager and asked him to put, take some money out, which he did. He got about $120 out and then he escaped. He was captured about 10 minutes later, except for it was not a gun that he had under his shirt. It was his finger and thumb, which he had in the in the tradition, in the typical shape of of a weapon that we we have all used to do like our pew pew our fake gunfights. And he had that under his shirt, and that's what he used to commit to commit this so called crime. But I'm saying, if all you go in there is with your bare hands and you ask them to take money out of the safe, and they do, and they give it to you and leave, then who was really at fault here? What what crime? <laughs> it's now a crime well, interesting. to just say. I, I want you to give me some money and they th- and you walk out with it and you go to jail in America for doing this. <laughs> That's interesting. You might have a good case there, Tyler. I, I want to take like, his case up. But I'm also wondering if you misspoke or if it's really true that he only got $120. That's actually what it said. I don't. And it, That's a crime also, in and of itself that he went through all that trouble and he got out of there with, you know, he can't even get Netflix for a year or something. He didn't even push his luck. Maybe he was trying to like just make a withdrawal, forgot his ATM card, and had to go talk to the <laughs> bank manager. Hey, I, I need 120 bucks. And then the guy is like, oh no, he has a gun. Here you go. <laughs> and he was like, how many? And he, was, he pointed one finger. <laughs> one. Zero, zero. <laughs> He's got a gun. <laughs> Take it off. <laughs> then the police are running after him. He doesn't know what's going on. He, he's just he's like, well, what did I do? I got a hundred. I got my got my hundred twenty dollars. Go to the grocery store. What are you? Oh I, I need a hundred twenty bucks. Just you go into. I don't know, I don't know the circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> How jumpy is this bank branch that a man comes in with a finger with his finger pointed? Like, just take whatever. I don't know. I have hundred twenty dollars in my wallet here. Just get he's out. He's reaching into his pocket to find his ATM card. Yeah, and yeah. like, oh no, I don't have it. Yeah. And the guy thinks he's holding a gun in his yeah. pocket. And he hands him all the money. He's just. Uh, he, What's what's your pin number, sir? Well, it's two. Bang it! Go, my good one. Yeah, yeah. He just goes. Yeah, yeah. He's he was on the phone and he went and he held one thing up his mouth and tells him, "He's coming out!" And he starts throwing cash. He just casually walks out because who robs a bank and wants one hundred and twenty dollars? I just make a withdrawal. Got my money. I'm walking out. He was pushing the glasses up the up the bridge of his nose with one finger. (laughs) (laughs) He's just pointing. I need. I want. I want to make my withdrawal from you. (laughs) 
Hey, I want to work with the manager. I want to work with you, sir. <laughs> Tell her and I don't see eye to eye. James, so... I'm on your side. I'm on your side. I'm rooting for you. I, I don't. I, as far as I can tell, no crime was committed here. Especially if it, I don't know the circumstances behind 120 dollars, but. If that's if that's what it was, you weren't trying to get. You weren't trying to make out. This isn't a Joker level crime. Nah. Can't even fill your he tank just, for that. One twenty. All right, what do you have, Jamie? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I know that I have talked about Dolly Parton on this podcast before because she's just one. Like she's the person that you've never heard anyone say something bad about. You know, like no one's ever been like, "Ha! Huh, did you hear about Dolly the other day?" No, <laughs> Dolly Parton is like you know, queen of everything. So Dolly has had this imagination library in Tennessee forever. In fact, when we lived there, my kids got free books in the mail all the time. And she started this a long time ago. She's given out over 186 million books to kids. But this slice is for all of our California listeners. So now Dolly is bringing it to California where you can get free books for your kids. But this is what I want to tell you. This was on the Relevant Magazine uh, page if you want to go read more about it. But she said this in 2018 to the Library of Congress. She said that she started this whole thing to honor her father. His name was Robert Lee Parton Sr., who never learned to read. She said, I had the idea to do something special for him. And then she says, you know, in the Bible where it talks about honoring your father and your mother, I don't think it necessarily means just to obey them. I think it means to bring honor to their name. And so once again, Dolly Parton is over here doing kind things to all kinds of people. And now California people, you got your free books from Miss Parton herself. Incredible. I love her. Not one bad thing could you say about that lady? Not one. Not one. 186 million books out of, that is a, that is a crazy number of books. That's wild. I know. Yeah, I mean, just the printing costs. That's a it's a buck a book. I mean, that's yeah. that's yeah, that's a lot of money yeah, for sure. It's a lot of money. I know. And if you sign up for this, you get you get one book a month uh, every every year from the time you're born until you turn five years old, which is potentially yep. that could that that adds up really really quickly. Sixty books a kid. Yeah. yeah. By the time yeah. you get by the time you by the time you start going to kindergarten, you've got your own little mini library at home. Like, I that's know. A really, and I'm telling really you, they cool came thing. to when we lived in Tennessee. We got these books every month. It was super fun. So cool. Crazy. Go Dolly. All right. That'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Kevin and Melissa Fredericks. Kev on stage and his wife join us. listening to one republic the song is i ain't worried well relevant has a lot happening this year and we don't want you to miss a thing make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday we'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes some uh, fan extras and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year make sure to sign up it's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Kev on stage, Kevin Fredericks, and his wife, Melissa Fredericks. The hilarious husband and wife duo recently teamed up to write a book about their marriage. 
In Marriage Be Hard, Kev on stage and Mrs. Kev on stage share how they use humor and grace to navigate the ups and downs of marriage. They sat down with our very own downtown Emily Brown to share some marital wisdom and hilarious truth about their marriage. Here's our conversation with the Fredericks, Kev on stage and Melissa Fredericks. Of all the things you could write about, why are you writing about marriage? Ooh, we love this question, Emily. I mean, I think we're writing about marriage because we love being married. We're we're happily married, but we wish we had this book to read when we were first married. Uh, when we were first married, we felt like everybody else was not struggling like we were. We're struggling. We're talking to people at our church. Hey, man, I was there. Oh, wow, marriage is great. Perfect. Kiss each other in the mouth every day. <laughs> and we're like, man, this is crazy because me and Melissa going through a thing or two. And then lo and behold, four or five years later, a lot of these same people are getting divorced and there was mm-hmm. no signs. It was just, it's mm-hmm. perfect. And now we're divorced. Like, how y'all, what happened to all? It was, it was perfect and reconcilable differences. I mean, you, you done try to work it out. You couldn't. So we feel like we, we, wanted people to have a a realistic and authentic look at what it takes to make a marriage that seems like its goals actually work you know if i can throw in one more analogy it's like we had all the recipe i mean all the ingredients for a cake and access to an oven but no how many eggs of these 12 how much salt how much sugar how long should you bake it what, what do you do how much butter and we wanted to write that recipe so people could see how to make things work, see themselves in a marriage. Sometimes a, a great step forward in your marriage is just seeing that you're not alone. Somebody mm-hmm. else has felt this way. Somebody else has the same dynamic and they've worked through it. So those are the reasons that we wanted to write the book. love that you bring up this idea of relationship goals because I feel like that's such a big thing these days is you know you yeah. lift someone up thinking they have the perfect relationship but we all secretly know something's going on behind the scenes so how do you balance maybe looking up to a couple while not like falling into that comparison trap I think remembering that social media is a very romanticized curated version of folks reality highlight reel it's a highlight reel but even beyond highlight even beyond highlights because uh, i was going to say that and i've been thinking about this recently highlights are from a game you actually played usually Mm. and we're just pulling out the best parts Mm. instagram is curated and romanticized it's not clips of your actual reality yes it is it is scripted. A manufactured reality. It's sometimes. manufactured. Mm-hmm. It's scripted. It's 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 curated. And I think if we remember that it's not reality, if we remember that behind every picture, the 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 couple, the hashtag couple goals couple that you're looking at, their reality probably looks more similar to yours than different. I think it helps to ground us in that comparison because you can be super inspired by um, 
a couple. There's a couple that I know, an influencer that I love, and she works really closely with her family. And when I tell you, like, everything about it is very inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. I also recognize that her and her husband probably be fighting. Her and her mom will probably be fighting. Her and her daddy probably be fighting. Her brother and her her husband probably... Like, I also know that as beautiful as it is, it, it doesn't come without turmoil and disagreement. And I think if you're able to balance that instead of romanticizing that, oh my God, they're able to work together and it's so beautiful and just look and everything's so fantastic and they never argue and da-da-da. Like we should, we have to do better about not falling into that trap. And sometimes we, to that point, we fall into that trap. I remember Melissa and I having that conversation about that person. And I'd be like, you don't know that they, this is all great. And she was like, nah, you're right. You're right. Cause she had, you know, you had felt like, you fall for the trap of the curation and romanticize. Because you only know what you see. This is funny. I made this video uh, the other day. I was shooting basketball, just working out, and I shot probably in the video. I probably made 50, 60 shots, something like that. And everybody's like, dang, Kev, I didn't know you could hoop. I didn't know you could hoop. I shot for an hour. And for every one I made, I missed 12. There was some, I was editing the video. It was like an eight-minute period where I didn't make a shot. I'm not going to cut the highlight of all those misses. Only mm-hmm. the swishes. And of the swishes, only the best swishes. Some right. clanged around a lot on the rim and I didn't even post those. Right? And even though people know mm-hmm. that I didn't make every shot, you see the makes, you recognize this guy can shoot more than I thought. Your mind takes out the misses yeah. because you're mm-hmm. only prepared with what you see. And the same way Melissa has that, I've, all people joke with their spouse like this, their sex life, their whatever you want, you can find that in somebody else's marriage or relationship and you discount the mates, the misses, because you only want to see the mates. But in reality, you got to deal with the misses too. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's why Melissa and I really abhor when people call us relationship goals. But it doesn't matter because honestly, and the platforms themselves serve you up like that. You know? So... Mm We work to be very authentic so that when people see our smiles, they know that those are true smiles, but it ain't always smiles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned that you guys were in therapy. If you're comfortable, I'd love to hear more about that because I think that um, the idea of couples therapy, I think a lot of people have this like stigma around it, but you know, what impact did it play in y'all's marriage? Marriage therapy has literally been one of the most impactful things we've ever we've ever done. We've read um, and done a lot of different things to improve our marriage. But, you know, couples, if you're a couple and you are struggling, you know, with your relationship, um, number one, get this book. But I say that because obviously (laughs) I'm going to plug my book, but also because it is truly 12 conversation starters. It really is 12 conversations that you can have prompts that you can talk to your spouse about today and kind of start the conversation around parenting, around communication, around sex, around quarantine, um, intimacy, like all of these things. These are important conversations for you and your partner to have. Once you have a grounding or, you know, a starter point for that, you can now go into therapy a little bit more armed about 
these are our areas of concern because that's what they're going to ask you. What are you here for? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So you do need um, that kind of grounding so you can articulate and communicate that. Then once you're in therapy, the tools and the interventions that they are able to offer you God bless your mama, God bless your daddy, God bless your pastor. Unless they went to school for this, Man. they're just not going to be able to help you the way that someone is licensed and trained to to help you with. Yeah, I, I, I concur. I think, you know, a lot of times there's you you do what you can do. You know, everybody's not able to pay for therapy. But at the end of the day, it's you and that partner you and your spouse figuring it out. But with the help of someone who knows what they're doing, it is so much easier. Because like, right, if I talk to my mom, or Melissa talks to her mom or dad, they're gonna give us the best advice knowing that they want us to win, mm -hmm. right? The thing that a therapist helps so much uh, with, their, the, their, their client is the relationship. They tend to be less biased. Find the right therapist. Our first one sucked Trash. for us. He was I don't so think they were. He's yeah. a bad therapist. His style did not match our style. No, he was right. Simple. So find the right person. But when it's done right, you realize, oh, my gosh, I would have never thought about that. I would have never connected this part of my life with this part of my marriage. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, thank you for sharing. But I know therapy can be. Like a personal thing, but Ooh, I appreciate that. Emily oh. Brown. <laughs> when I tell you someday, I'm gonna tell you what scares me most about therapy. It's not when we have a present issue to talk about. Those I'm like, I'm gonna tell on her, <laughs> or I know I'm gonna get in trouble. It's the days where we don't really have anything. That's mm -hmm. when you really like. All right, now it could be anything. Next, thing you know, <laughs> how's things going? It's perfect. And then two seconds later, when I was six, <laughs> he dropped my popsicle, and I never got another one. <laughs> and I, I wanted the ice cream. <laughs> and that's why as a, as a man, I eat my wife's ice cream and I was, she thought she was saving. Like it'd be anything could happen <laughs> on the days the topic is not very clear. That's hilarious. But although it's ugly and, and stressful and vulnerable, it is very impactful. And I think the best mm -hmm. part of it is early in our therapy journey, we used to have to basically wait till the next session to deal with some stuff. We literally put our feelings on ice. Monday night at six. We'll see you back for therapy raw only in our <laughs> garage. But then as we got through it better, some of the tools that we learned in there, we could we could handle the, the issues happening in real time. And, you know, some of the stuff we picked up, like the narrative I'm telling myself is this. That's actually from Brene Brown, I believe. Yeah, right. It is. It is. But we would some of the tools we picked up in therapy. I, I, I'd see her reaction. Hey, how are you feeling? I'm feeling like this. Is this correct or incorrect? And we would be able to work through our issues. And then we're going to therapy, telling our therapist what we work through, as opposed to having to work through it in the actual uh, session. Right. So it's very, very, very valuable. It's very, uh, it's responsible for this version of our marriage. That was Kev on stage and Melissa Fredericks. Make sure to check out their new book, Marriage Be Hard. It's available now. Stay tuned up next. It's our game. Spooky season spectacular.
Something out of hoot dreams I blooded out your new brain, yeah And everybody saying that I act different Since I got you, now I brag different You're listening to Bailey The song is Act Up Alright It is time for a game That we did back in 2019 Spooky season Spectacular Tyler wrote this. Of course, it's three very long paragraphs uh, to start it off. I wrote it a long time ago. Are you ago. playing? You, I can, oh, I that's don't, true. So I this might be new to you. I do not remember. Yeah. Wait, did you write it or is this a Jesse? If it was back in 2019. I think I wrote it. I, th- I okay, feel like I go. remember doing the research on this, well, but I do not remember the I, answers. I'll say this. The intro is very much a Tyler Huckabee original. Yeah. Here we go. As Americans, we suffer a near constant crisis of identity. The pools of consumerism and tribalism have rendered us so unconvinced of our own inherent worth beyond what we own, what our job is, or who approves of us that many of us have truly no idea who we really are. Instead, we try on prepackaged identities manufactured for us by our capitalist overlords. In this way, Halloween becomes a rare opportunity to think outside the existential crisis because by becoming someone else altogether, whether you're a little girl dressing up as a black cat or a grown man as Don Draper, Halloween is a time for us to say something about ourselves by who we're choosing to become for one night, taking on someone else's identity as a way of commenting on our own real one. In fact, Halloween may be the one night of the year in which America shows its true face by wearing a mask. In this game, <laughs> this is great. Who wrote in that? this game, each oh my gosh, <laughs> in this game, beautiful. each team. Oh, I'm sorry. In this game, each person will be given a year and several popular Halloween costumes. You must guess which costume was the most popular pop culture costume of that year. If you guess correctly, you'll be crowned the mayor of Halloween Town. If you lose, you will plunge our nation further into its crisis of identity. Please note, the list will omit generic popular costumes like Frankenstein and witches and focus only on pop culture specific po- costumes and includes all age groups. Okay? Make sense? Here Got we go. It. Jesse, you're up first. The year is 1990. Okay. Mm. 1990. Was the most popular costume Ariel from The Little Mermaid, Edward Scissorhands, The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or Kurt Cobain? The year is 1990. Uh, I think I went as this in 1990. Uh, I, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Ninja Turtles. That is correct. Wow. That was the number one costume that year. Good job. All right, Jamie, 1992. Okay. Was it Criss Cross, Catwoman, Princess Jasmine? Or Bill Clinton. Oh, wow. I am going to go... I don't think it would have been Bill Clinton yet. I'm going to go with um, Princess Jasmine. The answer is Catwoman was the number one. Okay. Yep. Tyler, 1996. The Nutty Professor, Spice Girls, Ghostface from Scream, or Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible? Can Can you say those one more time? The Nutty Professor, Spice Girls, Ghostface from Scream or Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible? I think I remember I remember trick-or-treating that year with a friend who was dressed as Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. A movie, a franchise they are still making. Um, oh, I got a question though, Tyler. Isn't that, isn't that, was it a lot of people, what year was this, Cameron? 96. 96. Weren't a lot of people just dressing with like rib sweaters and fitted yeah, pants at the yeah. time? Wasn't it's that what you wore? It's probably like, one how? of those like, oh, I have this at home. Easy you know, costumes. Like, yeah, that, yeah, I don't need to go yeah. out to Spirit Halloween. Or you're just, it was just, just your normal street <laughs> clothes. And people are like, hey, are you Ethan? Huh? Yeah, sure, whatever. You know? I'm going to go with, answer? I'm going to go, I'm, I, no, I, I think I'm going to go with Spice Girls. 
Uh, Ghostface from Scream. Come on, the Scream mask. That's what I was yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, sure. All right, all right. So first round, uh, Jesse has one. Everybody else zero. Here we go. Round two. Jesse, 1998. Was it Rose from Titanic? Zorro, Rob Zombie, or the dude from The Big Lebowski? Oh, well, I, I'm extremely confident that it's. It, I mean. I feel like it's is an iconic costume, and you have the you you can a lot of people have it in their house, uh, uh, like an old bathrobe, some sweatpants, a t shirt. You can't go wrong. It's got to be the dude, right? The dude was it. That's it. Two zero. Wow. He abides. Yep. Still abides. All right, Jamie. Two thousand two. Was it Hermione from Harry Potter? Avril Lavigne, Nelly, or Frodo Baggins? I have no idea, but I th- am going to go with Nelly because I just saw him recently in concert, believe it or not. What? And a friend of mine who yes. was in high school during that time knew all the words. So that's who I'm going to go with. Can I ask, was it at like a state fair or something? <laughs> that, or did it, was before, it was before the University of Texas game a couple of weeks ago. They have concerts and Nelly was oh, sure. there. Yeah. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. yeah. And she knew all the words and she would have been in high school then. That sounds about right. But the answer to this was the Harry Potter. Her money from Harry Potter. Sure. Yep. Sure. All right. Tyler, 2003. This, this is getting to prime Tyler Huckabee era. 2003. Yeah, Number one costume. Was it the White Stripes? The Bride from Kill Bill? Spider-Man? Or Andre 3000 from the Hey Ya music video? Ooh, all good co- all good costumes. I think any one of those would have been a big hit. Um, I am going to say... I think I'm going to go with I'm going to I'm going to go Spider-Man cross generation. That's correct. That's it. Right. Spider-Man. That was right. All right. Last round. Everything's worth 80 points. Okay. Right. Jesse, you are up. 2004. You would have been a junior in college. Yeah. 2004. Here we go. Pink polo era Kanye West. Okay. Steve Sizu from The Life Aquatic. MF Doom. That would be a very complicated mask. Or Jack Sparrow. I think I, 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 my answer is Jack Sparrow, but I think the Steve Zissou one is is a good one because you would buy it and you're, it's like an excuse to buy like cool stuff that you'd wear later. <laughs> like if you had those Steve Zissou's Adidas or that tracksuit or the beanie, that's definitely making its way in street clothes rotation. Like that's prime, the ultimate yeah. with a Halloween costume. It's like, I want to, I just kind of yeah. want these kicks. And so yeah. I'm going to just roll them into the costume. But my answer is probably Jack Sparrow. That is correct. Jack Sparrow is correct. Yep. Yep. There you go. All right, Jamie, 2006. Most most popular costume, V from V for Vendetta. Derek Shepard from Grey's Anatomy. Is that McDreamy or McSteamy? I don't know. Uh, James Bond or Amy Winehouse? I hope it's not Amy Winehouse. What's crazy? You say 2006? Yep. So I've got like a two-year-old then. He's not dressing up as any of these things. So this is like an adult costume. I'm going to go with the old Grey's Anatomy dude. V from V for Vendetta. That's the correct answer. I'm 0 for 3, just in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> oh, we're well aware. All right, Ty- <laughs> Tyler. All right, here we go. T- 2007. Wait, I see you in the document. I see your name in this shared Google Doc. You are literally cheating oh, it's o- right now. It's open. I'm not looking at it. Sorry. I, oh, I opened okay. it to send it over, but I'm not. I'm, your I'll, I'll, cursor was exactly on the question we're about to say. Oh, oh, I just so. closed it out. I just closed it out. I'm not looking Tyler. at it. I'm not looking at it. Right. I have no idea. 
I'm not robbing the bank. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I just the needed to put, I just needed, I just needed to, I just needed to send it over. <laughs> All right, 2007. Oh 2007 was the most popular costume MIA. Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Hannah Montana, or Shutter Shades era Kanye West? Mm, mm. I kind of think. So either either Kanye with Shutter Shades, Hannah Montana. What were the other two? MIA, MIA. or Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street? I think I'm going to go. I, Sweeney Todd is tempting, but that's such a complicated costume. Um, I feel like I'm going to go multi-generational again. I feel like Hannah Montana. That is correct. Hannah Montana. Okay, well, Jesse, you swept the board. Yeah. You got this one. All right, that'll do it for... Spooky season. Spectacular. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Kev on stage and his wife, Melissa Fredericks, for joining us. Make sure to check out their book, Marriage Be Hard. It is available now. And like I said earlier, if you don't follow Kev on Instagram, do it. It's hilarious. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. We'll see you next time. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Just one sec. Ah, no! He's got a gun! Relevant Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.